Hello and welcome to the Seeking Health Podcast. I'm Josiah. And I'm Jessica. We were missionaries for seven years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. We deconstructed together and became ex-evangelical. I became an agnostic and then in August 2021 I had a powerful spiritual experience with Jesus. We are now reconstructing together. You can listen to some of our key episodes, such as Deconstructing Together, The Cult of ATI Part 1 and 2, A Ceiling Takes Root, Join us on our journey as we seek health together. This is going to be our last podcast of 2021. How do you know? How do I know? I'm just a foreteller. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it's been quite a ride. I mean, we started this just over a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, in the pandemic, and we're still in the pandemic, and the <laughs> pandemic will never end. <laughs> After you just said you're a foreteller, you tell us this. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I am not serious. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of reading. Uh, I think I'm at like 45 books this year or something like that that I've been reading so this book there's a book that I'm reading right now that I was reading as I was painting my room today and it's Rising Strong Strong by Brené Brown Um, and it's been really interesting because it's um well it's hard to summarize an entire book because it's a long book and I'm not quite done the book but (laughs) um just how we tell stories in our mind to make sense of ourselves to make sense of the world around us uh, to make sense of life and I mean it's kind of part of um, psychotherapy is like rewriting the story in our Mm -hmm. mind like we just always do that like Mm -hmm. like I remember when my friends one year old my friends one year old child died and people were just start just asking these questions they were looking for a place to put the blame they were trying to make the story make sense so that this couldn't happen to them. Mm-hmm. And we do this with everything in life, not just, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> we definitely see it with tragedies, but we do it with everything in life. Like if something doesn't go right, oh, so that's because I'm such a failure. No, no, no. This might have been, I made a mistake moment, but not I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. So we have to rewrite this story in our mind to get from point A to point Z. And mm-hmm. that's where the real work is to change that and those thoughts often come from childhood experiences and might have even some thoughts even protected us and helped us survive Mm -hmm. the certain events but they can take such hold such root that it just becomes our Mm go-to and at some point we have to do the work and she really recommends writing it down like right 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 and find trusted people who will support you that you can also speak it speak it speak it um to help it make sense because writing it out or speaking it out helps you make sense yeah of what happened and it helps you to be able to even see it and be like why was i feeling like that here oh that's where you need to explore and be like that's where the issue is that Mm -hmm. i need to change um so it's like it's like in your brain you have this person that's constantly building the floor of your world. Like if you imagine yeah. virtual reality, like he's building the floor. But his tools were formed in childhood or through religion or through these different structures. And he's always gonna be doing that. He's always building the floor. But if you don't tell give him the right equipment, the floor is always gonna be 
rocks and boulders and, and problems in your way. And you think, okay, well, I'll, I'll get a divorce and get out of that marriage. Or I'll go ex-evangelical and get out of that church. or I'll, But then you just create another world that's the same. You repeat. Until you give him better tools yeah. to rewrite the story in a better way. Yeah. Is that kind of helpful? Yeah. And she uses an example of... Um from someone from a, a cave like you have to go in this cave and it's like well where's my tools what do i use well everything that is yours is in the cave like every person that goes in the cave has their own own um stories own ex- mm-hmm. experiences own tools to go into this dark cave and it's going to be different with each person because we all come into it with with different backgrounds and different ways of seeing life and experiences. So yeah, we use stories to make sense of the world Mm -hmm. and we need that. That is a good thing, Mm -hmm. but it can go bad and it often does. Mm -hmm. And we'll often seek to place the blame for something Mm -hmm. on someone to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. And even if it's putting the blame on ourselves because we're, we're perfect, perfectionist (laughs) we can put the blame on ourselves we'd rather do that but it makes sense than having unknown in the world and mystery (laughs) yeah well you need to have a story you need to have a story of some sort or else like i mean storytelling is has been around since the beginning of Mm -hmm. the earth the universe like it's We've always had storytelling. Now we do books. Yeah. We do Facebook. Yeah. We do a Twitter. <laughs> we do all these things. But it's always story-based. Yeah. Well, I feel like if you don't have a story, like my mental picture is somebody just crawling into a hole. You're just, you know, just aimless, kind of, purposeless, hopeless. And, and you kind of, your brain turns to mush until you figure out what the story is. Yes. Like, and that's what happens when, when tragedy hits or when a pandemic hits or when you lose your faith or when you find your faith or yeah. you have a kid or you lose a kid or, you know these life-changing events it's like okay what's the story yeah and you we all ha- enter it differently but at some point you, you you your brain goes into the state where it's like okay what's my story what's the purpose who are the good guys who are the bad guys what's going on with this story and you need to make sense of it or else you you can't function yeah and even with working with kids and therapy like they they often say they often use stories mm-hmm. to work with kids because they they also need to make sense of their world, but they don't have the vocabulary or all the ways to be able to put the pieces together. So you can really, if there was a traumatic event in a child's life, to be able to tell them that story over and over and over again can bring healing. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends who've done that with their kids and it from traumatic event, and it totally helped made a huge difference in that child processing that traumatic event i thought that was really interesting Mm -hmm. because we can actually as parents help our kids develop good coping skills or move past some traumas with stories yeah so and yeah so that brings me to a few quotes that she said that i wrote down that i thought we could talk about so here it is the quotes starting now to the conspiratorial mind, shit never happens. And mm. yes, I love that she uses strong language. Okay, so to the conspiracy... I love that you still do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start over. <laughs> to the conspiratorial mind, shit right. never happens. 
and the complexity of human life are reduced to produce theories that are always consoling in their simplicity. Mm-hmm. And then she keeps going. For conspiracy theorists, bad things do not happen because of wildly complex world of abstract historical or social variables. They happen because bad men live to stop our happiness. And you can fight and possibly even defeat bad men if you can read the hidden story. Hmm. And then she says, we make up hidden stories that tell us who is against us and who is with us, whom we can trust and who is not to be trusted. Conspiracy thinking is all about fear-based self-protection and our intolerance for uncertainty. When we depend on self-protecting narratives, often enough, they become our default stories. Sorry, read read again what that was about intolerance for uncertainty. Conspiracy thinking is all about fear-based self-protection and our intolerance for uncertainty. I think that's so... Like, uncertainty is so difficult. It's hard. Like, and I think, like, I think that we're kind of orbiting around thinking about just how the, how the brain works at a fundamental level. I think that's kind of what we're orbiting around right now. And fundamentally, I think our brains, our inner selves are deeply troubled with the unknown. We want and need order. Like the fact that somebody died is almost less traumatic than the fact that we don't know why. Yes. You know, which is why we do autopsies, which is why we do you know, investigations and, you know, people that like, they're just lost at sea. It's like, that's more traumatic than if they died and we knew exactly what happened. Like we need that story. And when we are waiting for test results, yeah, do I have cancer or not? Mm -hmm. That's horrible waiting. Yeah. Because you don't know and your life can change Yeah, and you don't know and you can't do anything about it except wait. We don't like that. Yeah. And there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why that our brain does not let us rest. If something really bad happens, our brain does not let us rest until we figure out what happened. Exactly. Okay, Joe from our village fell over dead. Why? We're not just going to go on with life. We're going to figure out why. Yes. Did he eat berries? Did he get into trouble with somebody in the village that poisoned him? Whatever it is, we got to figure out why because we don't want everybody dropping over dead, right? And so it's part of our DNA, it's part of our deep programming, but it can get us into trouble because something, sometimes as she says, I think that was a great place to start the quote, sometimes shit just happens. Mm-hmm. And that really fucks with our brain. Yeah. When shit just happens, it's like, well, maybe he just fell over dead because he had an aneurysm and we don't have the technology at this point and, you know, to know what that is. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. And that's where, you know, as we've talked about, uh, before like that sometimes religion steps in or uh, a different type of bad story and says well he was judged by god or he made the spirits angry or something like that or else perhaps there's a conspiracy perhaps other people yeah, we just need trying to, to get be, us or we just need to be able to figure out the hidden story and then we yeah. can defeat the bad man and go back to simple life yes So there's actually a word for the human tendency to see shapes where there are no shapes. Like if you go out and look at the clouds and you relax and you look at the clouds with your kids, you can see a seahorse or you can see a tree, you can see a face. 
And this is because our brain is constantly trying to seek order. It's called paradolia. I have to Google it every time, but I feel <laughs> smart <laughs> to be able to say it. And um, obviously this is something that at this stage of, of society, as we're dealing with something where shit happened on a big scale, sometimes there is no big story. Sometimes there is no conspiracy. We're just dealing with something really Shitty. bad. <laughs> That happened, and we're trying to figure it out as best we can. It's a pandemic. It doesn't mean that there's a hidden story. Mm-hmm. It might just be stupid world again. <laughs> like, just shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what this makes me think of is um, uh, G.K. Chesterton is a, an author that um, that explains Christianity in a very unorthodox way i forget he was he's not neurotypical i forget what he had if it was adhd or um something else but he's got a very eccentric way of writing but very profound and uh, he wrote the madman is not so this is you know old this was written like a hundred years ago so he uses madman for somebody that you know is not thinking clearly um, not politically correct for today, but the madman is not the one who has lost reason. The madman is the one who has lost everything except his reason. Hmm. So his point being, and he's he's kind of got a way of, he's kind of verbose in how he talks, so it's hard to quote him specifically, but it's not when, when people go off the rails and they go into their head and they, what he would say, they become a madman or they become mentally unstable. It's not that they've stopped thinking clearly in fact their thoughts if you talk to somebody that you know is clinically insane or or is you know not thinking clearly their thoughts are actually extremely clear the problem is they've lost touch with reality Hmm. so you're calling conspiracy theorists madmen so (laughs) i that's a great question i'm glad that you asked me that to clarify that's like that's not nice that's not nice (laughs) but i think that we can look at what is the worst case scenario and see okay how can i tend towards that yeah and i'll use myself as an example there have been times when i have got really really excited about only one author and i want to listen to only that author i want to listen to all their podcasts i want to do if they're a christian all their sermons and it becomes a closed loop all that i think about all the time is this one person's thinking And another example that G.K. Chesterton uses is a circle. That you can have a circle that's completely coherent, it's perfect all the way around, but it's very small. And you need to have a circle that's large enough to contain other thoughts, other ideas, and, you know, impact more of the world. We can become so wrapped up in a story um, that that does not have enough points of reference. But the point of that is that our thinking can be clear. It just doesn't have enough connection points with the world or it starts at the wrong, um, with the wrong presuppositions about the world. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah. You're allowed to say if I'm not making sense. I was going to give an illustration for that. I just um, this week read a book by Alan uh, Cumming. He's a actor, Scottish actor. Anyway, his book, Not My Father's Son. And he talks in there about like really abusive his dad was very abusive physically hitting like belittling everything and when this when alan coming was like 45 his dad told him that he wasn't actually his son 
that his mom had had an affair and that's why mm. they never bonded and that's like that's why they just never had this bonding that's why he was always mean to him and stuff so this Alan Cummings started to think maybe that's true and he was kind of relieved in a way because mm. it brought an explanation of why his dad treated him so badly his whole childhood yeah so he did a DNA test with his brother and it came back identical Hmm. He was his son, and he had to tell his dad, I actually am your son. Wow. This is not... And then he realized through a lot of therapy <laughs> that his dad lost touch with reality. His dad hmm. cheated on his wife all the time, and he made up the story in his mind that became his reality. Hmm. That his wife had cheated, this wasn't his son, and it justified his actions. Interesting. And I thought that was really, yeah, I thought that was really interesting to read this just before Brene Brown's book, because it's like we create stories in our mind. And like at the end of her quote, we can, Brene Brown's quote, it's like we can, if we use these narratives so often enough, they become our default stories. Yeah. So we, in a way, we're always training our mind. Mm hmm we're always training our mind one direction, whether we're intending to or not, it's always evolving, growing, changing. Mm -hmm. So if we always stay in the same loop that there is a bad man here, we need to find the hidden story so we can defeat it and go back to our happy life, then we are creating this loop, this mm -hmm. circle that you're talking about. We're seeing what we want to see because we've made up this because we've made the story make sense. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And you get into this close loop because it becomes a default. Yeah. Instead of being able to be very open-minded and be able to work on your mind and your stories and challenge yourself because we can definitely, and we do, we all do get stuck in our stories. Mm-hmm. And we need to move forward. Mm -hmm. And that's through journaling. Like like if your body is reacting with anger or self-righteousness, judgment of others, it's saying there's something here that you need to figure out. Mm -hmm. And usually it's not, that's not the issue. The issue might be you were wrong somehow or you didn't stand up for yourself. And so it turned into the self-righteousness, judgment of others. But that's the issue to work on is I am a failure instead of I made a mistake. Yeah. Like it's rephrasing that, that rephrasing it, but that takes work. It yeah. takes time. It takes retelling the story, writing it out, writing it out till you can figure out what that reframe is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, reframing a story like that, you know, I made a mistake versus I'm a failure that, the, the difference between that is this core belief that I am good, right? Mm -hmm. And changing that core belief is so difficult. Other core beliefs are authorities are good. Um, other core beliefs are the world is a good place. You know, we can have these core beliefs that maybe we don't even recognize, that we think I'm a bad person or all authorities are bad or the world is essentially a bad place. Everything is essentially getting worse all the time. And you can see that in some people's thinking. Every time they tell the story, it has this. It's the same story but different actors. Yeah. Is that maybe something we want to think of or talk about? Like, I feel like 
in my pocket of Christianity, where I was raised, I grew up reading stories about the end of the world. And at that time, well, that it was, was like... That was the whole generation was all whole over generation. North America. <laughs> Except if you were raised maybe Catholic or Lutheran, but certainly within evangelicalism, you know, that was kind of, that was literally bedtime stories for a while, was reading about the end of the world. And it was like how cell phones and credit cards and different things were going to be the mark of the beast. And now those things change and those books are no longer popular, but the story's the same. Yeah. You know, we were raised being taught that we are essentially bad and that authorities are not to be trusted and that the world is getting worse all the time. And so to me, when I see people, um, and it's not a negative thing, it's not, I don't feel anymore um, a sense of anger or hatred or something towards them. I just feel like, this is a story that's been told over and over and I wish we could reframe this story because yeah. I don't think I don't think people are fun all people are fundamentally motivated by evil motivations. No. And I don't think that the world is fundamentally getting worse every day. In fact, I think that the world is getting better in many ways. And I think that authorities sure they're humans, but I think our our government is trying its best right now. Well, I was just going to get into that. I don't know if you Go ahead. Okay. Um Brene Brown also talks in her book about being challenged about like are people and she asked she did the survey she asked a lot of pe people and interviewed them are people do you believe that people are always doing the best they can is this a question for me yeah in brief um <laughs> can you do brief well I don't like the word always but I, I would say usually People are trying so the best like, they can. So she talks about this, like she really wrestled with that because she did not believe that people are doing the best they can. It's like smarten up. Like we judge other people the way we judge ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I would relate to Brene in her struggles with that, that like I'm not always giving my 100%. I'm not always working. I sit down, put my feet up, read books, relax, watch Netflix. I'm not always working. So therefore... I'm not doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. So other people that are struggling, well, it's because they're not doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. But I judge myself the same way. Then mm -hmm. I judge others. But others, maybe like you, see, can see people do the best they can. And I thought that was just an interesting way to see it. It's like we do the best we can with what we know. Mm -hmm. We do the best we can with what we're given. And that changes over time and you can look back and be like, why did I do that? That was stupid. Like, well, you didn't have all the information back then yeah. than you have now. So even with this pandemic and government, which you talked about, like they are doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. So some people in certain mindsets that are looking for that story, for, that are looking for the bad guy, the hidden story behind so that they can defeat the pandemic and be done with this. I mean, we're all fucking done with this mm -hmm. pandemic. But... Like Brene says in her quotes, it's like, you're looking for the bad guy. So if you can figure out the hidden story, then we can end the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But our government authorities are doing the very best they can with what they know. Are the rules constantly changing? Yes, because things are constantly changing and mm -hmm. the virus is changing. And so, of course, it's going to keep changing. I am so, so ready to have it done, just like everybody else. But I don't believe that there's a hidden story no. or a bad guy that needs to be discovered so that we can defeat him, Trudeau. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> well, it is, yeah. you know. 
um, so or, that we uh, or Biden. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that we can defeat them and then the pandemic will be done. No, they're not the bad guy. Even if we defeat them, they're not gonna, it's not gonna end the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so, perspective. Yeah. Are people doing the best they can? I would like to believe that they are. Yeah. I'm still struggling with that. Um, but it's just like she gave that, and I thought that was a really good example of something that we can look at and think about. Or do we see people doing the best that they can and we give them grace for that? And she also gets into boundaries. No, they can be doing the best they can. So now I get to decide if that relationship will continue on with boundaries or if it's done. Yeah. That's how it is. But yeah. they're doing the best they can. You can't be in my life. <laughs> yeah. If this is the best you can do, then... Yeah. Uh, well, like your parents. Yeah. Like, that's the best they can do with what they have in life and what they've accessed for help and all these things. That's the best they can do. Mm-hmm. They can't be in our life. Yeah. And that's so. unfortunate. And that's unfortunate. But it's it's just kind of a gracious way to look at things. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not going to beat you down for all that you're doing, but I'm not going to allow that in my life. Mm-hmm. Until you can do better. <laughs> and, and maybe to nuance what I said before, like I, when you asked, are people trying their best all the time? My, I thought about 80% probably. But people are also struggling against what they have. And they're also struggling against, well, you're in a situation where you could profit personally and make a difference. You know, like, um, like for example, there's been publications about like, well, the head of Pfizer's, the, the heads of Pfizer are now billionaires. It's like, are they the good guys or are they bad guys? Well, are you going to tell me that if you were the head of that company and you were doing really well and saving the world, you wouldn't also give yourself a pay raise? <laughs> what if Plexus had been the <laughs> one that had Plexus cured had COVID? The yeah. They would have kept the money and they would have been like, woohoo, we were ambassadors. So now we have free cars, free housing, free for life because yeah. we had the cure at the right time. I mean, it's no different. Like we're, this is, this gets back to the story being too simple. The, the circle too small. There are not good guys and bad guys. No. There is not a magic bullet. There's not one conspiracy. Wouldn't that be nice if there was just one conspiracy to no. solve it all? And we just take down that conspiracy and everything's fixed. Exactly. It's a bunch of imperfect people. It's complex life. That are usually trying their best. Usually. And, you know, sometimes they're not complete. They don't have completely pure motives. But you know what? I don't have comp- completely pure motives almost ever. Uh, we do our best, and yeah. it's a. And the the world is like she said in the quote, wildly complex world of abstract historical and social variables. <laughs> like I know it's a lot of words, but it's like life is not simple, mm-hmm. and the, it's not black and white, and there's no simple answers, and there's going to be pros and cons to everything, and you have to choose what's the pros and cons that fit your life better mm-hmm. at that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's just not complex. So how would, to introduce a, a hard question here, what is reality? How do you know you're in touch with reality? Because everybody would say the same buzzwords. Keep an open mind, trust science, do your own research, and you know, don't just take things at face value. Um, but people that say that will come from completely different, will end up at completely different places. How, how could you know that you're in touch with reality? I don't think we can know. That's a good answer. Yeah. I don't think we can know. And I think what's important is to be able to admit and change our views mm-hmm. with life. As you learn more, as your views keeps getting honed and shaped and 
and changed by more interaction in the world and mm -hmm. by being outside of your bubble, by being in contact with a variety of people and lifestyles mm -hmm. and that changes your perspective on things and to be willing to be like, oh, what I used to believe doesn't fit the reality I see now mm -hmm. and be able to be willing to evolve and change and grow in your perspectives. I think if you have all your beliefs figured out when you're 20 mm -hmm. and they don't change by the time you're 50, no, yeah. even by the time you're 30, yeah. then something is wrong with your beliefs. They are not biblical beliefs if they don't, don't change because Jesus, God is way above beliefs, a set, yeah, like a, a statement of faith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if it can't grow and change and evolve as we learn more about the world, about society, about science, and just change in our lives. If our our statement of faith, our beliefs don't change, then I think something is wrong. Mm -hmm. Just as you were talking, I jotted down maybe some warning signs. Like it's hard to know. It's it's hard to ask the question, "Am I wrong?" Because especially about fundamental things like that could really destabilize you, even throw you into a depression or mm -hmm. you know derail your life. But it's a question you need to ask. And like like you said, have my beliefs changed significantly over the last 10, 20 years? Um, how many sources do I have? Or am I believing just one source? Do I only listen to stuff from fa Focus on the Family? Right. And you think, oh, okay, well, I listen to five different authors. Well, are they all the same? The same. You know, yeah. they're all from Focus on the Family. No, no, no. I listen to Ken Ham too. Well, come on. I mean, you know, like, are they all from the same umbrella? Do you listen yeah. to people... You know Desmond Tutu or, or somebody like from the UK, the Anglican priest Anglicans and, and... Uh, a monk. Mm -hmm. Like I've read things from monks recently, and I just benefit so much from yeah. it, and it, it stretches our mind. Can you listen to someone who is LGBTQ? Mm -hmm. Can you listen to Can you listen to a variety? Can you listen to woman? If you're a man, can yeah. you listen to woman? If you can't, then you need to change. <laughs> like it, it. Do you have sources that make you feel uncomfortable? And it doesn't mean that we have to be comfortable with everything, mm -hmm. but we need to be willing to hear. Yeah. And not be like, oh, I got to protect my little ears from. For sure. And impurity. I think that, that's such, there's people that actually teach that, that like you can't oh, sure. let yourself hear the wrong things or else well, that's what, you'll be led astray. It's peer pressure, right? Negative peer pressure. Yeah. Like peer pressure was always such a negative thing for me mm -hmm. in my teenage years. Like that was talked about as so negative and it's like, what the heck? Like <laughs> we all have peer pressure in our entire life mm -hmm. because we're made for community. So we're all going to have this peer relationship with peers. Mm -hmm. So it's not bad yeah or good like it it is good it is good yeah is there some bad sometimes yes of mm -hmm. course but it's good so you shouldn't be trying to shelter if you're trying to shelter yourself so much and only read from a very very small publishing house <laughs> like yeah. then then you are in a closed circle yeah and something else to think about is do these beliefs benefit me and my group of people yeah. I think that's something that I've become more and more aware of is how much our evangelical beliefs make us not feel bad about the things that we've done in our past or make us feel like we deserve the money that we have, the, you know, whatever. Like, do, do my beliefs make me feel uncomfortable or um, 
or, or did they benefit me? Is something else I was thinking of. Um, but I think maybe the biggest thing is, is there is there margin for for shit happening? Some things that can't be explained or is literally everything explained? I think that that actually becomes a question mark on your system if you have at literally everything answered. That, that kind of makes me feel like maybe I need to re-examine my beliefs because it's just it's too closed of a system. The universe is so much bigger than what we can explain. Mm-hmm. So how how can our worldview be completely explainable? Mm-hmm. I mean, there is mysticism. There is questions. There are things that I will never be able to answer. And we need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for bringing these quotes. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what our three-year-old says these days. With a bow. With a bow. <laughs> You're welcome, sir. <laughs> Thanks like for joining us on this last episode of 2020. Maybe the second last. <laughs> Talk to you guys later.